Hi everyone, we're Brianna and Suzanne, two teacher moms who are passionate about helping you create a home environment where your family truly thrives. We're here to help you with anything from setting up your family goals and the perfect physical space in your home, to managing school expectations and parent-teacher conferences and everything in between. Whatever the unique needs of your family, we're here to help you get set up for success. Thank you for joining us today as we explore another topic to help you thrive in your hive. Before we get started today, did you know that both of us are trained and experienced coaches ready to work alongside you as you unlock your full potential? At Thrive in the Hive, our focus is on empowering moms and dads just like you. By exploring the core drivers in your everyday decisions, we'll work together to raise your awareness and harness your power to consciously choose how you show up for your parenthood. Imagine yourself with complete confidence and clarity in who you are. Imagine yourself equipped to seize life by the horns, creating limitless opportunities and recognizing limitless potential for you and your family. Message us to set up a free discovery call. Happy thriving! Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Thrive in the Hive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey everybody, welcome back. I hope everybody's having a great day. And today we are so excited to talk to you about traveling with kids. Drum roll, please. By the time this episode comes out, it is going to be June 1st, and I am so excited about that. Just thinking about it now, it's like mid-May right now. Just thinking about the fact that June 1st is right around the corner is so exciting. It really is. Ah, summer. I can't wait. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, so we're really happy to talk to you about traveling with kids. I think that this is going to be a big summer for travel, even if people just do things that are nearby, but... We've all been cooped up for so long, and so many people are now fully vaccinated that I think the travel industry is going to come back in full swing. People are going to be flying. People are going to be taking road trips. And we have all kinds of tips to help you get there and get back with a lot of joy with your whole family. Yes. For starters, organization when you're going on these trips is so important because when you have some type of structure and organization going into the trip, then you're setting yourself up to have just a better, more fun-filled, joyful trip. Now, I know that probably turns a lot of people off immediately. Like, I'm going on vacation. I don't want to have to plan everything. But that's not what I'm saying. In other words, just make sure that you have all of your T's crossed and your I's dotted when you're planning a trip with kids so that things like you run out of snacks in the middle of like, you know, the desert. Just kidding. I know we're not really going in the desert, but um, maybe you are. I don't know. But you've got to make sure that you've got like those essential things going on. You've got like some coloring books in a bag so that your kids don't die of boredom like they threaten to do on a regular basis. And you have snacks ready to go and you have drinks and you've got sunscreen, like just some of those vital things that you need to like stock up on, like we talked about in our summer episode a couple of weeks ago. Probably things you already have. You don't even have to run out to the store for most of this stuff. You've got it laying around your house already, but just making sure that when you are about to embark on your fabulous trip that you're planning, that you have these things in place and you're ready with them. You're ready with your little travel backpack. My mom always had a special backpack. She still actually uses it to this day when she goes on a day trip or a vacation. It's the same backpack she used when we were kids. It's this maroon backpack, but that was her travel backpack and I remember her always having that on when we went and did something fun and now I have a travel backpack too 
I do too. I have a couple of different bags I use depending on the kind of trip, but the backpack is my favorite one. And I think with organization, like it's really key. I'm very serious about this. I have a story for another time about why this is so important to me, but I think you need to have everything that you need in a certain place so you can find it quickly, especially if you're flying. Your passports, your tickets, if you're flying domestically, your ID, so that it's easy to get it out, especially if you have multiple children and they're trying to squirm away from you and you're trying to go through security and everybody's rolling their eyes at you because your kids are all over the place. Like you don't want to have to stop and dig for your ID or your passport. You need it ready to go. So have it in a pocket where you can just pull it out and it's ready to go. You know, I think about all your reservations and things like that, especially if you're going to be traveling around from like one hotel to another. If everything's electronic, have a file, have a folder on your phone or wherever on your laptop, your tablet, where you can just click on that little button and you can scroll through and find tonight's hotel reservation. Or if you're a paper person like me, like I print it all out and I have a file and it's there and I just rotate it through like, okay, we're done with this day. And I flip the page over or now we're on this day for the hotel reservation. Or if you've bought tickets in advance to go to museums and whatnot, like I have it all stapled together in order so I can just flip the page and here's what we're doing like here are the tickets to get into this museum here are the hotel reservations for that night all that kind of stuff so I'm not digging around and trying to find it it just makes life so much smoother so much easier especially if something happens you have to call and cancel or change you've got all the information right there at the tip of your hands which is really important when you have little kids that are running around they're impatient they don't want to be standing there waiting for you to dig through all your paperwork to be able to keep going and keep moving quickly. Exactly. There's not all that like hemming and hawing that slows you down. We even do that though when we're just traveling. Like when just Bryce and I go on a trip, we still do that. When we're at home, I'm the planner and I get everybody from point A to point B. Or, you know, he he's there doing it with me usually. But in other words, like I do the planning to make mm-hmm. sure that everything happens. But when we go on vacation, I like forget how to plan. <laughs> and it's your vacation it's- from it. Right. Something like that. But literally when we go on a trip, Bryce goes into (laughs) travel agent mode and we have this folder and everything's printed out and he's got his notes are highlighted and his itinerary. And it's this bizarre like (laughs) switch that happens when we go on a trip, but he's got that down to a T. So in my travel backpack, I always have a folder and it's got every day, just like you're talking Mm -hmm. about so that we know. He even has always has a section of if the kids are with us, especially it'll be like parks. Mm-hmm. that are in walking distance that these things we're doing for those times where the kids just need to run around and get the wiggles out. So all of these little things that just make it smoother. I know we all have smartphones and some people are probably rolling their eyes thinking, let me just pull out my smartphone. But it truly does save a lot of time and a lot of heartache because think about it, okay? You're on vacation. Your kids are probably a little overtired because <laughs> they're a little bit out of their routine and everything's a little bit crazy, which makes your kids eat a little bit crazy. And then in the middle of a meltdown, you've got to pull out your phone and start researching where you can go next. Right. It's, it's not better to have it. Exactly. better to have it ready to go. And I'm not ever saying on a vacation that you should have every minute of your day planned because that's kind of the point of a vacation is to do different things and whatnot. But you have to have some kind of a plan and just have all of these options in your pocket, basically, so that exactly. if you go, wait a second, like we plan our trips a lot. And we'll say, let's say we're going to be in a certain city for two days. We have a list of probably more than we could possibly get done in that city. 
and we all agree before we go, like, these are the 10 things we'd want to do in that city. We probably only have time for four of them. But when we get there, we don't know how we're going to be feeling. Because if you plan this a month in advance or something, like maybe going to the water park sounds like an amazing idea, but then you show up and it's like a thunderstorm going off that day. So you can't go or you just don't feel like doing that and you're in a different mood then you have all these ideas of things that you can do, but you've already researched it. So you're not spending all your time and the morning of at breakfast going, what are we going to do today? But you can maximize your time if you already say, well, here's the list of things that we thought we wanted to do in this town. What sounds fun? And then you just take off and go. And you also have to be really organized because before COVID anyway, the last couple of trips we were on, feel like things were really booked in advance. So we're used to maybe be able to just walk up and, go into a museum or go into any place now it's like the lines all the way down down the sidewalk and around the corner because you didn't buy your tickets in advance and you think oh wow we're going to stand in line for two hours to get into this museum so especially with a limited capacity yeah yeah so in a way you do have to plan out a little more like okay well on june 3rd we're going to this museum because that's the only day we could get the tickets or whatever So you do have to be a little bit organized or just be willing to have lots of plan B, plan C, plan D kind of things in your file, whether it's an electronic or paper file. But being organized, I think, is the key. And having some idea of how you want the trip to go helps out a lot. And one thing we always do is we've always included our kids in some of the planning, obviously age appropriate. But even your two-year-old, you know your two-year-old and you can say what would be a fun thing for your two-year-old to do and making sure that everybody has a little bit of a say in at least one of the activities that you do during the trip so that they feel like they got to do something that they really wanted to do. I think that's really important. And depending on the length of your trip, if you're going to go somewhere for two weeks, then maybe everybody gets to do three or four things that they picked. But if it's just a weekend, maybe everybody just gets one thing. And a lot of times I find that what one of us wants to do, the rest of us really want to do that too. But everybody feels like they had some ownership and some say in planning the vacation that way. Yes. And if you're traveling with little bitties, then I highly recommend when you're going somewhere to Google like things to do in Houston, Texas with kids, for Mm -hmm. instance, because most cities have websites dedicated to this and those resources are great. Oftentimes it's locals in those cities who have created this list of resources. And so they know the nitty gritty, they know where all the best ice cream shops are, they know where all the parks are. So having that resource there as well so that you can pull that out and you have that there and you've seen these names before, these museums that are kid friendly or whatever, that goes a long way. I use that for Houston all the time. Like Mm -hmm. I just said that example, but I use that. We've lived here for nine years now and I use those resources a lot because Houston's obviously a huge city. And so there are a lot of websites that talk about things to do in Houston with kids, various restaurants that are kid-friendly, restaurants with a play place so that the parents can actually have a conversation while the kids are playing. Look that up because it probably exists for most of the cities that you would visit on a trip. And they can be great resources. I know, for instance, the example I just gave about like having a restaurant with a play place. I know it's a little bit harder with COVID right now, but that is like going on a date for us. Yeah. Like it's the whole family, but we know that we're going to eat together, but then we're going to have time where like Bryce and I can actually have a conversation. The kids are going to go play. We look for restaurants like that wherever we go so that we can try to build that time in as well. Because let's face it, when you're on a trip, it's amazing and it's fun and it's so many great things, but you're with your kids 
and your whole family from the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed, which again is amazing. But sometimes you need that little bit of like adult time or me time and, and having those little buffers built in is a great idea. Or you just need some space from each other. We're the same way whenever we travel and sometimes we'll split up and maybe Al and Alex or Al and Liliana will go and do something that they're really interested in. And then I might go with the other kid. Like we have something that we'd rather do that not all four of us want to do and you can get a little break from each other that way as well. And that's okay. You don't have to spend every minute together when you're on a trip because though you love each other, sometimes being together 24-7 in the car, in the hotel, it gets to be a bit much. So talking about organization too, I think that you have to be super prepared and really think out the actual traveling there and traveling back especially if you're on a plane or a train where you're in a confined area and you cannot get out or get off. Those are like, that stressed me out a lot when I was younger and the kids were little. And when I had both my kids, we were living in England. And so we used to fly back here to visit the grandparents a couple times a year. And my kids, the the only flights they really ever went on for the first couple of years of their lives were between London and Houston. We trained them so well. I'm really actually glad we did this because for them, going on an airplane meant you had to be on it for nine or 10 hours. So they just assumed that to get anywhere, you had to be in an airplane that long. And one time when we first moved back here, our first flight here, that was a short flight, was from Houston to El Paso. And they were like three and one or three and a half, one and a half, something like that. And we get on the plane and Alex... I had him very well trained and he knew everything. He had all his activities and he was taking them out of his backpack and putting them in the seat and and getting all organized and everything. And he thought we were going to be on a plane for nine hours. So he was just killing time. And then the flight attendant came on and said, okay, we're going to come through and prepare the cabin for landing. And his little head like whipped around. (laughs) He looked at me and he goes, what? And I said, yes. And we're almost there. And he goes, but mommy, I only just got comfortable. (laughs) and I was like he's like what how can we already be there he just had never been on a flight that was that short before so that's adorable I can totally picture baby Alex saying Mm -hmm. the point of that is he had been on so many long-haul flights back and forth between London that he also was prepared for the amount of time he was going to have to be confined in that small area I did research what is the attention span of a six-month-old baby. And I think he was about four months old the first time we flew back here because we flew back here for his baptism. And so it was like, oh, my goodness, how many things do you have to bring on an airplane to entertain your child for nine hours? Luckily, he, he has a baby. He slept for a bunch of it. But I was so organized in the sense that he had a carry-on bag. I had a carry-on bag. I think like my purse counted as well. We just had a lot of different bags. And one bag had just a change of clothing for all of us. Luckily, this never happened to me, but I learned from a friend. So I had another friend who was from the States, but she was married to an English guy. And they would have to fly back here a lot to see her family as well. And they got on the plane one time with their baby. Within the first hour of the flight, the baby projectile vomited all over. I knew you were about to say that. Yeah. Ah, That's happened to me before. Uh Uh-huh. All over. Not just her, but her husband too, like all over. And they did not have a change of clothing. And so they had to spend nine hours on the plane wearing their child's vomit. And so she was like, I will never travel without a change of clothes again. 
And so I always have one bag with a change of clothes. And even though my kids are older now, I still do that because I've also gotten there and my bag didn't get there before. So at least if you have a change of clothes, like you're prepared, you can go another day till your bag finally arrives. And then the other bag always just had activities and things like books, coloring books, activity books like Highlights Magazine. It's a great one. It has find the hidden pictures. That'll keep your kid entertained for a long time. And you might do it for five minutes and put it away and then bring it back out like an hour later for another five minutes. We had these magnetic tangram things. So it was like a little picture and you had to have all the little shapes and put the shapes on to make the picture. But it's magnetic so it wouldn't fall and we didn't lose any pieces. We had all kinds of like uno card games all kinds of stuff because i did not want to be on an airplane or a train and have my kid be the one that like really annoyed everybody so i went into the trip as i'm going to do everything i can to entertain my child so that they are not annoying anybody around them and i would by the time i'd get to houston like my husband and i would get off the plane and we'd be like where are the grandparents and as soon as we see the grandparents we'd like hand them over like they are yours we are done <laughs> we are so tired after now this vacation starts. um yeah but it worked and i always try to take into consideration the people around me like i didn't want to be the parent that was ignoring my kid while they're like kicking the seat in front of them or hanging over the seat and grabbing the person behind them. We've all been on a plane with those kids with the parents that are just like oblivious and you're thinking, okay, you could be reading a book to them or you could play a game with them or do something. The other thing that we always did is stopped at the gift shop or the candy shop or whatever, you know, the stop that has all the magazines and everything. Right. And like on a long haul flight like that, it's like you can pick out like two things of candy or three even. And like, okay, if you can be behaving for three hours, you get your candy. And then the next three hours, you get your candy. And then the next three hours, you get your candy. It's like a way to keep them going. Like they start to get whiny and like, you know, going to arch their back and cry and that kind of stuff. Like, oh, uh -uh, no, you know, don't you want to get your candy? Come on, let's play a game. Let's read a book, distract them. And they had that thing to look forward to. And they were pretty good travelers. The only time we ever had an issue is when Alex had a double ear infection and I knew his ears were infected and they would not do anything about it. And I had to fly back here and he screamed the whole way and there was nothing I could do about it. <laughs> That's so hard. I was just was about to say that. I feel like a lot of us, probably even all of us at some point have like our kid has been the one screaming on the airplane. And listen, that happens. So if you've done your planning and you've got your little things and you're trying to entertain them and you're trying to keep them busy, but they're screaming, do not feel bad. And yeah. if people are giving you ugly looks, ignore them. Because like when I see that happening and it's not my kid, A, I'm silently breathing this sigh of relief. But I also <laughs> want to go and like pat that parent on the shoulder and just be like, you're amazing. And it's okay that your kid's crying because mm -hmm. I'm just thankful it's not my kid who's crying. <laughs> I've done that before because I've been in that situation. Yeah. Like, I mean, people were so mean to us on that plane. Now, to be fair, I would probably would have opened the door and thrown us out as well. But I mean, people were so rude and mean to us. I burst into tears by the time we got, we actually had to fly from London to Houston. We took off. He started screaming. I gave him maximum amount of medicine that I could give him. Got him settled down. Finally got him to fall asleep, and I'm not kidding you. Like he like you know how when you're holding your baby and they're really tense, mm -hmm. and then when they fall asleep they just go limp. Like he'd gone limp, and I went limp. I was like, oh thank God he fell asleep. 
And then the captain came on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, to our 10-hour flight to Houston, Texas. And it startled him. And he, like, shook, you know, like, awake and just started wailing. And he didn't stop the rest of the flight. Now, obviously, something was wrong with him. No kid's going to cry. And he was pulling his ears. And he was clearly in pain. Nobody helped us. I was like, is there a doctor? Is there somebody, like, on this airplane? I asked the flight attendant, like, that could tell me if I give him more Benadryl, am I going to kill him? Like, what can I do? It was probably like the only plane in the history of the world that didn't have a doctor or a nurse on it, or at least they were pretending like there weren't right. any. Nobody wanted to I help. I don't see you. I don't hear oh. you. <laughs> so I feel the same way. And anytime we're anywhere and like a baby's crying, I just look at Alex and I'm like, you can't say anything. <laughs> that was you 18 years ago. You can never say anything because, and nobody's going to, like, obviously something was wrong. So anytime there's a baby crying, I always try to tell the mom, like, it's okay. Don't be worried. It's, it happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And you see them trying, like, you see people trying everything, too. Like, right, and they're sweating most, and they're, yeah, like, shaking. Yeah. yeah. Most yep. people, Been but there. every once in a while you're on a plane where, like, you go, okay, how about if you just paid a little bit of attention to your child? Once in a while you see that and you think you could do something. Most of the time parents are doing everything they possibly can to stop it. So it really does help if you do have activities and you can try to plan ahead, but you never know. You just never know because children are unpredictable. You don't have any idea what's going to happen. But at least if you go in and you have a bag of activities, you have something that you can try. It used to be that you could just walk them up and down the aisle too. My kids loved that, but now they kind of make you just stay in your seat all the time. But You can you know. double purpose these activities too. I know like when we go to restaurants, even just like when we're at home and we go to a restaurant, I always have a bag with me of activities. Mm-hmm. And so you can repurpose these activities that you've packed for the plane or the train or the car ride there. Those can be your activities that you bring into restaurants with you to entertain your kids. I know, especially right now, a lot of restaurants are not giving out the little crayons in the kids' mm-hmm. menu anymore. Yeah. Um, so you've got to bring your own crayons. I have a whole bag. We'll do an episode on that soon mm-hmm. of like, I have like the Mary Poppins bag, you know, that you can I just keep it. pulling stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. But you can double purpose these things. I know when you're traveling, you don't have a million bags. You don't have a million hands to carry all the bags. So you can just figure out, okay, how can I multi-purpose this item and make it truly worth bringing on the trip? It's so good. I have these little, it's like a little box. I don't know how to explain it. If you're a member, you can go into our newsletter, our June newsletter, and you can see a picture of it because I did a little write-up on this. But it's the best thing because you can, it opens up and you can put like coloring books, paper, crayons, colored pencils inside this thing and it closes. But then it also can double as a desk. So if they're in the car or in a plane And it's small, and it can go right in the backpack. It can go in your kid's little carry-on backpack. That thing saved us so many times because I always took it on every trip we went on, but also, like you, I had it in the back of the car for restaurants and everything. And I always had special things in there that they had never seen before. So it was like when it got pulled out for a trip, they'd be like, oh, we've never seen this highlights magazine or this coloring book or whatever. It was a new thing for them. Mm-hmm. And so they would be really interested in it and keep them very busy. So check that out on our newsletter. And I think the other thing that is super helpful is our snacks. Like you said earlier too, like packing a lot of snacks, just make sure you have more than enough and just feed them. You're on vacation, so it's okay if they eat a little bit of junk and they miss a meal because they had three bags of animal crackers while you were on an eight-hour road trip. It's okay. It's vacation. It's all right. They'll be fine. And then the other thing that was so helpful for me 
was like one of those grabber things. So there have been times when I've had to go with the kids by myself on a road trip. The time I specifically remember was evac. This was not a vacation. We had to evacuate for a hurricane. And Al was still in London. We had just moved back here. We had just bought the house. I had just unpacked the last box. And I was like, woohoo, the house is ready. And he was still in England. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, um, there's a pretty bad hurricane heading your way. I'm watching it, but I think you're going to have to evacuate. And I was like, what? And I think this was Katrina. And and Katrina went to New Orleans instead of us. Um, Thanks. Yeah. But I was like, no way. Like, I, like, everything just got unpacked. So I packed up the car, put the kids in it. My parents were in a different car, so they were not with me. So I was by myself. And they were both strapped into car seats at that time. And things would fall. Like, they would drop their cup or they would drop their pacifier or whatever they had and I couldn't reach it so I came up with the idea of one of those grabby things a little handle mm-hmm. with the, and it, like you can pull the hand like would you pick up trash with or whatever right and anyway so you just stick it back there and grab it and hand it back to them so like the cup Love fell on the floor idea. grab it hand it to him now it's not always safe make sure there's not a lot of cars around you because you <laughs> have to glance back and see where it is but if it's out of reach, you could just use the grabber to grab it. And it was amazing. That was like the best lifesaver until once they got out of car seats and it didn't matter because they could bend down and get it. But oh, when you have them all in car seats and they can't reach things and they're screaming and you're right. like, ah, I just need to grab the water bottle. You know? Or even when you're like stopped at a red light. Uh, Amelia does that to me right now. Like she'll drop her water bottle or her baby that she carries around everywhere will fall. And she'll be like, baby, baby. And I can't reach it. Uh, you need the grabber. Yes, it's the best clearly. thing. It's the best thing, and I mean, it's good for not even just road trips, but just in general. Anytime right. you're driving, like yeah. going to work in the morning, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maintain sanity. Absolutely. Another thing is just routines. Obviously, when you're on a trip, your routines are going to be off from what they normally are when you're at home. I know I've talked about this before on previous episodes, but one of my kiddos, when he is up later than what he normally is, he turns into like this other being all of a sudden it's like cinderella like the clock strikes 12 but it's really like the clock strikes 8 15 and he turns into a pumpkin he can't handle it (laughs) i know one day he'll grow out of this but like when we're on a trip we have to keep that in mind i i vividly remember being in disney world a couple of years ago and we wanted to stay up and see the fireworks i don't even know what time they do the fireworks but it was january so it gets dark earlier i'm not sure if that changes what time disney does the fireworks but I just remember he started losing it and then Wyatt started losing it. And so we had like these two toddlers who were losing it. Amelia wasn't born yet, but it was from like night after night of keeping them up past their bedtime. Mm -hmm. And then they were tired and cranky and it just, yeah. So now like we know, like even when we're traveling, we try to, within reason, have them in bed around the same time that we normally would. Because honestly, like it's not very fun to be out and about with them. later than that anyway and it does get better but I mean I'm gonna be honest with you it's not a lot better because most teenagers are I think are on a very different time scale like time routine than Mm -hmm. parents are and you get to the hotel and they want to be up till midnight or whatever and Al and I've been driving all day we're exhausted like we want to turn the lights off at nine o'clock and go to sleep 
and they want to be up. But then Al and I are like, are like the sun's up. Let's get up, right? Because that's how the kids were. They trained us it's to like wake the up reversal. early. It's right. complete role reversal. Yeah. You're like, really? You woke me up when the sun came up for the first eight years of your life. <laughs> and now I wake up when I don't want to wake up, but I do. You take and, my kids yeah. on vacation and I'll take yours on vacation. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> and then they're tired. Like they're cranky because we're up. And I'll lay there and read or whatever for a while. But even if we get up at like seven or eight in the morning, they'll be tired and cranky. And they're teenagers. But with teenagers, you can just tell them to get over it. And they do. You know, like, hey, right. it's not my problem. You didn't go to sleep last <laughs> night. It's not going to ruin the day for us. So put a smile on your face and be happy. <laughs> and they are. They do. They get over it. But, oh, sometimes they don't. <laughs> oh, man, things to look forward to. I just thought of one more thing to share. On that same trip that I was just talking about to Disney, we flew there. And then we had our, like, all of these steps that we're talking about planned out. We obviously had our parks planned out for what day we're doing what. We had our tickets, whatever. We didn't do meal plans for that trip because we just had decided not to just because of the ages of our kids or whatever. And when we – or maybe we did – Maybe we did meal plans for the adults. Like maybe Bryce and I got meal plans, but we didn't get them for the kids. I can't remember, but basically at least not everyone had meal plans. And so when we got there the first day, like we went and did our thing or whatever. And then that night we just made sure to get to the hotel early enough. And then Bryce just hung out in the room with the boys and they watched a movie. And I took an Uber to to a grocery store or to Walmart, actually. I went to Walmart. And I had my list ready. We had a mini fridge in our room. I got like a box of Uncrustables and I got oh, snacks yeah. and foods and lunches that I could easily pack for them. Oh, that's what we did. We had that meal plan where you like you have dinner where you don't have lunch. That's okay. what it was. And so we got boxes of cereal and milk. And basically I went grocery shopping when we first got there. And I had it all planned out and ready to go before we even got on the plane that morning. And I went and I made that quick trip and I got the things we needed and got organized for the week. And then the whole week, it was like a simple matter of, okay, pour yourself a bowl of cereal. We had some fresh fruit. We would throw their Uncrustables in the backpack. And it was very helpful and it definitely saved us a lot of money. I mean, they could be so picky about what they would eat at that age, especially Mm -hmm. if it wasn't food they were used to that like I was cooking. Like my kids don't like fried food, for instance. Like to this day, I have a really hard time getting them to eat fried food, which I know is probably a good thing. But when you're out at Disney World, there's a lot of fried food, right? Mm -hmm that costs an arm and a leg. Right. <laughs> so for it to throw it away, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But Uncrustables, they'll eat those all day long. So that was just like a little thing that we did. And it saved us so much money and time in the long run. Especially because you didn't have to stand in line to right. get any of the food either. Right. Or even sit down and eat it. Like you could just eat those on the go. Right. As you're in the stroller. From, yeah. Or while you're waiting in line for the next ride or whatever. I, right. That's, talk about maximizing your time at Disney. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Those were the that's double so stroller good. days. Yeah. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What a good idea. So our takeaway today is traveling with kids can be so much fun. Have a plan and be organized. And what's crucial for success is do not run out of snacks. Seriously, for the kids or the adults. That's right. Don't want anybody hangry on a vacation. Uh, And your action item for today is, it's June 1st, like we said, plan a getaway for this summer, whether it's a long trip, a weekend, just one night away, or even a camping trip in your backyard. Book it this week and make plans so that your family has some type of activity or excursion to look forward to. Let your kids help with the planning. Get them involved. Even if they're pretty young, they can be involved in this and have a say. And then they're buying into the trip and it's just so much more enjoyable for everybody. So now we're on to our Thriving Minds Want to Know. And this week's question is about pacifiers. And 
They specifically ask us, when should we try to be rid of a pacifier completely with our kids? And what are some ideas for weaning my child off the pacifier? So I know I have a lot of experience with this with my children. Are your children pacifier children? Yes. Well, two of them, two of the three were, are. Amelia Uh still is. Okay. Yeah. My kids loved the pacifier. And in hindsight, I'm glad because it's better than the thumb because you can't get rid of the thumb. Yeah, right? that's what so my pediatrician like, always told me. Let them have the yeah. pacifier because you can't get rid of the thumb. Exactly. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm not going to lie. My kids had a pacifier probably longer than they should have. And I know it stressed me out. But in hindsight, I'm like, okay, they're 19 and 16 and they don't have a pacifier anymore. <laughs> so I don't know why I stressed out about it so much. I think babies with pacifiers, I mean, that's why they have them because they're babies and sometimes you try everything. You rock them, you feed them, you burp them, you change them, you play with them. You just don't really know what they want or what they're crying about. I'll never forget. It's like magic when they're screaming and they're so tense and then you pop that little pacifier in their mouth and they just go... It's like, like a mute button. It's like yes. an instant then, mute button. And it's like a total stress reliever for everybody too because like the baby's obviously stressed and then you put the pacifier in their mouth and you can just see they just go limp and they relax. And then so does everybody else in the house or the car or the restaurant or wherever you are. You're like, oh, thank God they stopped crying. It definitely serves a purpose. And if it makes your baby less stressed, then I don't see any reason why to not let them have it. I think for us... We got to this point where if we were traveling and on a plane, I didn't care how old they were. If they had the pacifier and it meant that they weren't going to scream or cry, then they would have it. She doesn't mean that she doesn't care how old they were. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Uh, I just had a visual of like an eight-year-old with a pacifier. I know. I mean, as a toddler, like my kids, when they were two or pushing three, if we traveled, I would let them have the pacifier if they wanted it. But I would say by around three, we were trying desperately to get rid of the pacifier completely at that point. And I got to the point where they probably after about 18 months or so, it was like, you can really only have the pacifier when you're sleeping or if we were traveling because it helped keep them calm and quiet, then I would let them have it. And then some of the ways that I weaned them off of it. I would point out all of the kids who are like younger than them and older than them and say, look, that kid doesn't have a pacifier. That kid doesn't have a pacifier. Why do you need a pacifier? I would just point out like, that's a big kid. Big kids don't have pacifiers. And and then they got to this point where they were chewing on it instead of whatever. Mm -hmm. And like shredding it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not safe. Yeah. And so I was like, when there's a hole in it or anything that happens to it, like it goes in the trash and I will not buy you another one. So we had a stash of them and slowly they started disappearing. And when we got down to the last one, I vividly remember this with Alex, like just saying, you don't need this. You're a big kid. Big kids don't have pacifiers. And he was on the last one and I was like, you better stop chewing on that one because you're not going to get any more. And he looked at me and he was like, I don't think I even need it anymore. And he went and he threw it in the trash can. And I said, all right. And we were done. It was over. Never asked for it. Never cared. Never wanted it again. He just was over it and and happy. And so I was like, well, that was okay. We didn't have crying nights or anything. And then Liliana was probably, she was, she's two years younger than him. She was watching all of this and 
I don't think she had hers quite as long. She liked hers, but she also got to this point where she was like, I don't need this anymore. And she just stopped using them. Mm -hmm. As the younger one, I think she wanted to be like him because, you know, Alex doesn't have a pacifier anymore. Why do I need a pacifier? If he's a big boy, I can be a big girl, that kind of thing. So I think he was kind of an influence on her to get rid of it as well. So Mm -hmm. it helped. It was easier for her. That's great. I think the big thing is just know your kids. To the person who submitted this question, just know your kids, look at your kids, know what their temperament is. So Eli, my oldest, at five months old, he just completely lost interest in the pacifier and he didn't want it anymore. Wyatt, my middle one, he may still be using a pacifier if we wouldn't have just been like done with it at one point. When he was three, he wasn't quite three and a half yet. I'm not exactly sure how many months past three he was, but he was so connected to his pacifier and he would get like angry when he couldn't have it. And we just decided we've just got to do, we tried all the tricks. We tried cutting them. I remember we were at the San Diego Zoo one time and they had a baby orangutan and they were asking me like, mommy, what does that sign say? And I was like, oh, that sign says that the baby orangutan needs pacifiers and they want us to leave it on this <laughs> bench by the sign for the baby orangutan. And like, literally he looked at me like, um, no way, no how are you giving my pacifier to that baby orangutan? I thought it was ingenious. I think that was genius. It. I love it. I think um, that was fantastic. Yeah. He was like, I'm not having it. Exactly. Like, um, absolutely not. You can that baby target. orangutan can want a pacifier for the rest of its life. Yeah. It's not getting mine. Uh-huh. So we tried all the things and he was very, very attached to it. And we eventually, we just weaned him off and we were like, okay, you can have it only when you're in your bed. And so basically if he wanted it during the day, he could have it, but he had to go sit in his bed. And of course he has FOMO and doesn't want to miss out on anything. So then he just weaned himself off of it. And then we we, did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Amelia has been, she has it while she's sleeping at night and during nap time. After the traumatic pacifier experience with Wyatt, we made sure with (laughs) Amelia that I think it was probably just before 18 months we did the only in your bed rule, and she's pretty good about it. I'll bring it when we go to church. I'll bring a pacifier. If we're traveling, I'll bring a pacifier. But really, it's been a while since I've had to pull it out during you know those other times when she's not in bed. So I you'll get there. You'll get there. All right. Bye, guys. We hope that you have a wonderful first week of June and completely enjoy and relax with your family. Have an amazing beginning of the summer, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for being a part of our show today. If you enjoyed what you heard and would like to learn more about setting yourself up to thrive in your hive, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also, check out our website at thriveinthehive.life. We can also be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We can't wait to talk with you again soon. Hi, listeners. Just a quick note that the views expressed in this podcast are solely the personal views of Brianna and Suzanne. They are not the viewpoints of any of the institutions that we may be affiliated with.